It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elliot Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. But how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to level up your marketing and business knowledge, look no further than the Marketing School Podcast, hosted by Neil Patel and yours truly, Eric Sue. It is the number one marketing podcast on Apple and number 15 on business in the United States. Now, if you want to listen to interesting conversations with operators that have been there, done that, also with other interesting guests, then listen to Marketing School every weekday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode was pre-recorded for my Patreon members, so to hear more episodes like this, please make sure to become a patron by clicking the link in the show notes below. Make sure you cop some merch on the site, and if you are looking for a good book to read, please visit my book list as well. I hope y'all enjoyed this week's episode, and until next time, later. Welcome. You are now listening to The Professional homegirls and niggas. It's your girl Ebene from the PHG podcast, the only place where you would hear interviews from women anonymously on stories that would enlighten and expand on taboo topics. Now, if you hear someone that sounds familiar, mind the bits that pays you, child. If you like the PHG podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Please, five-star reviews only. Hold me down. Don't hold me up. You can connect with me on Instagram at the Professional Homegirl, at the PXG Podcast, and last but not least at Epine Beauty. If you are all caught up with episodes, listen to bonus episodes by supporting the PXG Podcast Patreon account. To support, please visit www.patreon.com forward slash the PXG Podcast. Now, please keep in mind that all of my guests are anonymous, so let's begin this week's episode. To my guests, I want to say thank you so much for coming back to the show and offering up your expertise. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be back. Me too. I also want to say congratulations on your five-year business anniversary. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. How has that journey been? Oh, girl. It's it's been very interesting, but it's been very good. Um, I was not quite sure how... Uh, my practice would be, you know, just thinking about how to advertise and and just wondering if I would be able to 
you know, build up the appropriate client base to keep it going. But it's been it's been really well. And I'm I'm excited to uh, have been able to provide these services for this long. I know. I'm so excited for you. You definitely inspired me to keep it going. So once again, congratulations. You. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you. All right, child. So these questions are a little out there, but I think it's going to be okay. real funny. <laughs> so we go, I kind of rearrange it. We're going to warm it up a little bit, but let's start off in the beginning. Um, so one of the things that me and you spoke about, and I noticed that a lot of people always talk about when it comes to being sexual with somebody else is soul ties. So mm-hmm. what does soul ties mean and where does it come from? Oh, girl. So, okay. <laughs> um, the idea of soul ties is not really biblical, um, but it is something that various people believe in, whether it's, you know, within their church doctrine or just something that's taught within their specific faith communities. So it's the idea that once you have sex with someone, that your soul is tied or connected to them. And you kind of have to go through some type of spiritual surgery in order to uh, remove that, (laughs) remove that tie. And so um, this is my opinion. Uh, Well, before I go to my opinion, I'll say that um, uh, the Bible speaks about um, like souls being knit together or close um, only one time, and that was between the uh, friendship between um, David and Jonathan. Mm-hmm. But there aren't any other examples of souls being like tied together from having sex. I, so I'll go to my opinion now. Um, <laughs> I think <laughs> that this idea was created and perpetrated to discourage people from having sex outside of marriage it's the idea you know and and so by who well you know the patriarchy um Mm. and them people (laughs) i just think about how the idea of virginity is a social construct that was created to control the sexuality specifically of women so when you think about um, marriage, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, in the last 200 years, I'll say, is when we were able, when we were afforded the luxury to marry for love. Before then, and even still to this day in certain societies, but marriage is thought to be like a business arrangement or an opportunity to exchange or expand wealth. Um, And so the idea of marrying someone who had not had sex with another person, it was really to ensure that whatever heirs you created were rightful heirs, that Mm. they weren't this child right and so that's why in certain societies like they'll even have a ceremony where um the husband has sex with the wife and you know there's supposed to be proof on this white sheet that she's a virgin signifying the hymen being broken right um it's really when it when you break it down it's really looking at women as a commodity um mm-hmm. um yeah so i say all of that to say Uh, the idea of soul ties, I think, is perpetuated to 
continue to encourage people to not have sex outside of marriage. I understand why um, it was created, uh, but it's not based in biblical fact, right? Um, Mm -hmm. Now, do I believe that sex can be and is a spiritual experience? Absolutely. But do I believe in the idea of soul ties as it's taught? No, not at Mm. all. And now y'all have it. She told y'all it ain't biblical. So stop it. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, what are your thoughts on having sex during the pandemic? Because I'm hearing a lot, a lot of recent reports that COVID nineteen can get transmitted through um during sex. Well, so here's the thing. Um, <laughs> if you are if you are partnered, you know you you have a steady blue you know, as long as you're taking your precautions to not spread or contact the disease, like wearing your mask, washing your hands, you know, all of those different things, like taking those general precautions, you should be okay. However, if you are looking to expand and have new partners, you might want to be a bit more careful. So um, what science has shown us is that COVID-19 is present within semen. Mm. Um, They haven't been able to show that it's necessarily transmitted sexually, but Mm -hmm. because it's such close proximity to someone, you're going to be breathing the same air. So Mm -hmm. if one person is infected, um, if y'all are kissing or, you know, whatever else, it's a possibility that a, a strong possibility that you would spread it that way. Um, even, even if you do have a regular boo, um, if they're infected, it's a possibility that you can get it from them. Um, especially if you're not living in the same house because mm-hmm. close proximity, breathing the same air. So, uh, I want to say late March, maybe early April, uh, the New York Health Department, and I could be saying the wrong uh, division, but but uh, New York government, they um, provided some some safety rules or some guidelines for having sex. And they, you know, express that right now, really solo sex is the safest. <laughs> um, I mean, straight up. And if you are used to um, maintaining or or getting sex partners uh, through like different apps and whatnot, you might want to hold off on that because being in such close proximity to someone will definitely increase your odds of sharing germs and possibly spreading this disease. Mm -hmm. So um, like I said, the science has not said that it's, necessarily sexually transmitted but it can be found in the in semen of people who have even recovered from it um so if you are yeah so but that but like i said that's not to say that if that you can contract it that way but it's present so you know, I mean, even if you're in that person's presence, you can still, it's a possibility that you're gonna get it regardless if you have sex with them or not. So, exactly, exactly. Right. So, like, it, it, no new friends right now, <laughs> <laughs> you know, right? Like you, gotta, you gotta be real safe, real cautious, uh, because of that. Uh, you, you just don't know. There are so many unknowns. The one thing that you do know is that, uh, stay in your butt in the house. 
um, mm-hmm. and uh, taking all of those precautions when you do have to leave the house, that can keep you safe. Um, and, um, you know, solo sex is a thing on purpose so that mm-hmm. you can get those needs met. Um, mm-hmm. Of course, it's, it's not the same as a shared sexual experience, but we in a pandemic right now. And, and you, <laughs> you wanna, I mean, you know, straight up, you just want to be safe. So, yeah. <laughs> so that's a dub. <laughs> um, so one thing I'm really excited about speaking with you is, um, so I'm an avid reader. And the next mm-hmm. author on my list to read is Audre Lorde. Oh, so, I love I know. So I'm seeing her work being praised a lot when it comes to self-love and sexuality. Why is that? Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, a couple of different reasons. Um, she talks a lot about, well, first of all, let me back up. That's my birthday twin. So I feel a certain connection to mm-hmm. all the people who were born on February 18th. Uh, Tony, Mother Toni Morrison is also a birthday twin. Yes, um, yes. yes. Is that yes. an Aquarius? So I'm on the cusp, you know, yeah, most people, yeah, they'll put uh, February 18th in Aquarius, but the sun was actually in Pisces the day I was born. So I kind of have characteristics of both. I, yeah. So I'm just a cusp. <laughs> okay. That's why we probably get along so well. Cause I'm an Aquarius. I'm February okay. 8th. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So, um, Audre Lorde talks a lot about the erotic. Um, Actually, you can find the text online for free. You can also find different videos um, on YouTube of her actually reading about the erotic. Um, But also, there is a quote that has been used specifically related to self-care from Audre Lorde, where she talks about how self-care is not an act of Mm self-indulgence, but actually it's political warfare. It's the idea that um, I am taking this time to recognize my own humanity, even when the world around me discounts it, even when uh, I have to tell people that I matter Taking this time to take care of myself, it's not it's not an act of self-indulgence. It's it's self-preservation and it's an act of political warfare. So a lot of people are drawing from that quote, and I'm kind of paraphrasing it, but they're drawing from that and and really um expounding upon that. Uh because self-care is radical. Mm-hmm. Loving and caring for yourself right now. Uh, during this time it's it's a big it's a big thing and yeah. it's not it's not selfish at all mm-hmm. um that is true because I feel like as of lately being in the pandemic has been a little tough for me so what I've been mm-hmm. doing is like just traveling responsibly and staying mm-hmm. with um friends and their and my family and like loved ones and stuff just to be around some love Mhm, mhm, yeah, I definitely understand that like i I live seven minutes from my mama, and I have not hugged her since March. Oh wow, mm-hmm. so I see her. Mm-hmm. we do driveway visits if i uh do go in the house, I'm you know I'm far away from her mm-hmm. because she's she's well she just turned sixty six 
And even though I'm not exhibiting symptoms, I do plan to get tested, but I'm, you know, I don't know. I could still be one of those asymptomatic people who could stop it. So I just, I stay careful. Um, I I miss hugging my people. Mm -hmm. Um, Skin hunger is a thing, but, you know, I would rather keep my mama safe. Yeah. Uh, so, so I still get to see her, you know, and, and my sister and, you know, other, other loved ones. Um, but yeah, it's, it's important that you find different ways to get those needs met um, mm-hmm. so that you can still enjoy your loved ones and family and all of that. Um, so one of my listeners want to ask this question, child. They mm-hmm. said that they've been reading a lot of stories that water can help improve one's sex life. In what ways? Water? Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, okay. a, a lot of different ways. So um, That's what I said. I was like, you need water, period, child. <laughs> yeah. So, um, one, I'm thinking about in staying hydrated, you have the ability to have stronger erections and that's for people with penises as well as people with vulvas. So, mm-hmm. um, and, and when I'm talking about erections for people with vulvas, the clitoris becomes erect and, um, not just the, the glands or the head of the clitoris that we see, but the internal structure as well. The clitoris has the same amount of erectile tissue as a penis does and so mm-hmm. most of it is internal and so when you are fully aroused uh, and when you are fully hydrated you have better better blood flow mm-hmm. also it helps with your own natural lubrication if you're fully hydrated then more more than likely you'll have a uh, better natural lubrication mm-hmm. um, yeah uh, well, there you go. <laughs> yeah, that I'm just thinking. You know, kissing might be a little better. Like you, not everyone likes you know sloppy kisses or whatever. But like, I don't know uh, if anybody likes kissing with a like a completely dry mouth. So <laughs> you know, <laughs> just like staying hydrated can help in a lot of different ways, but specifically with um having better and stronger erections for people with penises and people with vulvas. So another one of my listeners wanted to know, and this is something I think we all can relate to, um, what is some advice you would give to the listeners out there that has experienced a fuckboy and they want to get mm-hmm. over one? Mm. All right. Know, so right? yeah, a couple <laughs> of different things. Fuck boys exist, right? Um, however, I think it's important to take a step back. Well, first of all, don't rush into another relationship, right? Mm-hmm. Take some time to evaluate. And in that evaluation, don't, you know, get jaded that, you know, and, and fuck boys, when I use that term, I'm saying it with a Y and an I, like uh, it's gender neutral. <laughs> Listen. Um, <laughs> In, in, in anybody can be a fuck boy, fuck girl, fuck non-gender person, uh, uh, you know, gender non-conforming person, rather. Um, yeah, all of that. But anyway, um, take a step back and evaluate what you may have done to possibly encourage or let someone's behavior continue. 
For example, mm-hmm. a lot of times people will ignore behaviors or ignore red red flags. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, a lot of times we're, we're creatures of habit. And so right. if somebody is an asshole, more than likely they didn't just become one overnight. Like you can tell some spaces, some places it's like, oh, you know, yeah, that one time I could tell that he was an asshole. You know, so right. like really take a step back and think, okay, what did I do to let this person know that it was okay to treat me in this way? Mm. Accountability. And yeah. Hold yourself accountable. Because mm-hmm. like, yes, people will take advantage of people with a kind heart. However, however, you got to be real honest with yourself and look at what role did you play so that Mm -hmm. you don't continue those patterns of behavior. Mm -hmm. God don't bless no mess, child. That's that's (laughs) real. That's real. I just think about how a lot of times people end up getting jaded and they're like, you know, ain't no good people out here. And it's like, uh, they're out here. Mm-hmm. Yes, possibility that you've had like a string of bad luck. But mm-hmm. um, let's be real honest and real um, hold ourselves accountable to our own behaviors. Like what what have we done to perpetuate this uh perpetuate people treating me bad you know so yeah now from a christian standpoint are there any restrictions in sex while married uh no (laughs) (laughs) like really what is done between consenting partners uh is all to the good so of course, only adults can legally consent, right? Mm-hmm. And so um, what is done against consenting adults, consenting partners that doesn't cause any harm, you know? And uh, yeah, like I think about how I remember when I was a uh, late teens, early 20s, and I was hanging out with some folks um, who were part of a particular denomination. And I remember them saying that, uh, and it was a married couple and the mm. wife was talking about how oral sex is not, you know, that's not of God. And I said, mm. well, explain that to me. And she said, well, that's the same mouth that you praise God out of. Why would you want to put that on genitals? And I was like, huh, let me think about that. Um, it, it it didn't make sense to me, so I went to the mm-hmm. word, and so <laughs> what the some, word say, girl. <laughs> girl look, the words say do it, do it well and do it often, but like if you go to uh, <laughs> Song of Song or something, chat the end of chapter four, the beginning of chapter five. Um, I I'll just summarize it so I don't misquote it, but you know he's talking about. Um, no, she, uh, the Shulamite woman is saying, um, you know, come into my garden and taste of its fruits. Okay. So, oh, that's a fact. Listen, 
you go to, go it goes into chapter five and he's saying i went into my lover's garden and i tasted of her fruits they weren't talking mm. about no apples. they weren't talking <laughs> about no apple wait okay. which scripture is this again this for this those who song of song or song of solomon the end of chapter four going into the beginning of chapter five mm. so then what are your thoughts about threesomes why married so that is so it 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 really depends. Um, are you talking about from a Christian perspective? Or are you just talking about general? Uh Christian. Okay, Christian. I don't know. <laughs> um, what I will say is that um, the we we reference the Bible for a lot of things. Um, mm-hmm. about how to live our lives and then looking at the um, hostophen, which is what is referred to, but the house rules that were written by Paul um, in Ephesians, um, you know, what a marriage is supposed to look like and whatnot. Um, it's important to understand that marriage back then was different than marriage today. And if you mm-hmm. are going to apply those understand the cultural context the various contexts of the time um am i saying don't follow those rules absolutely not what i'm saying is to understand why those various things were written so to Mm -hmm. the question of threesomes i think that um ethical non-monogamy is a thing and it takes various different forms within various relationships um Mm. for example um will and jada are Mm -hmm. who you know it's been like a a known rumor that they have some type of ethical non-monogamous situation you believe Um, it i mean i don't know if i necessarily (laughs) like don't believe it i think it's a possibility um i think that a lot of times people make rules for their relationship that works for them and Mm. yeah that's that's it I mean could be could be not who's to say Uh, Mm. (laughs) you know (laughs) but but yeah I I mean if they do you know good on them and Mm. you know they've been able to uh you know have successful careers raise beautiful kids uh, whatever their situation is. So, so yeah, but, um, but yeah, so with threesomes, that is, you know, a, a, an arrangement that you would make with your partner. Um, now the only thing is what I see often is one partner will concede to another partner's wish of wanting a threesome without, Mm. Yeah, right. and without really wanting it it's just like oh my partner wants this so I'll do this mm-hmm. I think that um, you're stepping into dangerous territory then because there are still those unspoken things you know they may feel some that their partner may reject them if they say no I don't want a threesome so they go along mm-hmm. with it so then is that building resentment in some other way um, a lot of times other people will think, oh, you know, we need to spice things up. Let's have a threesome without really having those like 
tough conversations of what it means to open up our relationship. If someone is like, if they're in every other way, traditionally monogamous Mm -hmm. and we're just going to, you know, add this and not have like real open and honest conversations, like talking about what, what happens with jealousy because jealousy could come up. Like, how are we going to deal with that? Um, Yeah. So I think that threesomes are cool within marriage. It can be tricky, but it works for a lot of people. It's just important that those folks who engage in that have real open and honest conversations about Mm -hmm. uh, what they're expecting from it. Like why, why do they want to have this threesome and like what they're expecting and to discuss the various things that could happen. Like, is this a one-time thing? Is this something that we're going to do once you got to be careful what you introduce in your relationship? (laughs) Straight up, straight Mm -hmm. up. So, um, yeah yeah I mean they they can work but it's you have to be completely open and honest with your partner and know what you're going into uh talking with some people what I've heard is that it can be easier to have threesomes when you're not in relationship with the people that you're having threesome with if it's you know I can see that someone yeah um you know someone that you may uh have a sexual relationship with but not like a traditional like romantic relationship or you know something like that so um there are various different things that you may not have to deal with afterward um I'm not saying go pick up some random people and have <laughs> That's what That's she's saying, me. y'all. <laughs> <laughs> um, she's saying don't it. do it with your man. <laughs> do it with your friends. <laughs> no, that's not what I'm saying. I'm just reporting on what I've heard. What I've heard <laughs> is that people, you know, that from, from their own personal experience. Um, but in being in relationship with someone, and deciding to open up your relationship just it's important to have those open and honest conversations about what it means why you're doing it what are you looking to experience from this and then is this a one-time thing are you leaving it open you know to happen again so right uh what are some advice for those who don't want to have sex all the time with their partner like is it wrong to tell your nigga no no, because um, you're not always feeling sexual. I think right. that um, mismatched uh, libido is something that's real. It it just mm-hmm. kind of happens in relationships. It's probably less common that um, couples are like completely matched up or synced up. And like when you want it, I want it all the time. Um more times than not, there's going to be a mismatch, situ- mismatch situation happening. And so mm-hmm. um, I think that it's perfectly okay to be honest and, you know, explain that you may not be in the mood. Uh, however, I do think that if it becomes a uh, a tool of manipulation, then that's the problem. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and then also you don't necessarily have to be rude about it. You know, yeah, let your no be a no, but like it 
it, it <laughs> starts to feel like constant rejection from the partner mm-hmm. who is, for example, if it's one partner that's always initiating and another partner that's always saying no, you know, what is that dynamic going to do to the rest of the relationship? So, mm-hmm. so yeah, I think it's perfectly okay and healthy to not want to have sex all the time and to express that to your partner. But again, it goes back to communication. Um, you know, how are you communicating this to your partner? And are we using it as a tool of manipulation? Um, mm-hmm. You know, like, uh if you did what I told you to do, then you get some booty. Like, nah, we can't do that, right? Damn, um, I be doing that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, we can get what I want. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you don't want to be manipulative in that way, you know. Um, yeah, that's that's not a. Nah, I wouldn't suggest it. <laughs> I don't do it. I, well, I'm in a, a, a serious committed relationship. I don't do it all the time because most of the time I be yeah. down with the shits. But I, sometimes I do it just to get what I want. And it works. Um, okay. Five stop okay. heavy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just thinking how it could certain things you just don't want to use as a manipulation tool, right? Because it, it may the other person may tire of it. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, and then it may they might become petty, you know, right back. It's like, well, I don't want no pussy no way. So you know what I mean? Right. Like and then and then that's how the fight started, right? So <laughs> niggas be arguing for nothing. <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly. But um if the issue is wanting your partner to do something, just like straight up ask them, hey, I need you to do this for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but it doesn't have to be like dangling a carrot for them to do it. Um, like, hey, can you do this for me? And if they say no, then like maybe there needs to be a discussion about what's going on. So, yeah. But to your original question, it's perfectly okay to not want to have sex every time your partner wants to have sex. Or there you go, ladies. Um, do you think people should share how many sex partners they have up front? Not necessarily. Um, for why? Like, no, nah, I'm so like my thing is. <laughs> What why are you with the shit? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm not. I'm, I'm, the reason why I say that is because what is the information that you're really trying to get from asking for how many people they have, right? Right. Uh, they've been intimate with. A lot of times, what people are looking for is um, some sort of validation, mm-hmm. um, some sort of like. And and then that goes back to what we were talking about too. Like people feel a certain way if you've had a certain number of sexual partners. Um, I I just think that it's not the best practice <laughs> to ask for a particular number because oftentimes, no matter what the number is, it's not going to be satisfactory. Mm-hmm. Um, and just really drilling down to what is it that you're asking for are you ascribing uh someone's value and worth as a person or as a potential partner based on how many sexual experiences they've had because they had sex 20 times with one person versus uh 10 times with two people 
what's I mean, the like, what's the, what's the difference, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, like I said, that's why it's important to really drill down to like what what information are you trying to gather? What are you trying to figure out by asking somebody how many sex partners they've had? Um, so yeah, I don't think that it's necessarily the best the best question because you're really asking for something else. What you're asking for is um, am I the best that you had? What you're asking is mm-hmm. um, somebody else do this better than me. What you're asking is um, am I going to measure up to your past partners? Like, like right. th- these are really things, really the things that you're asking, but oftentimes we're not feeling safe enough to be that vulnerable to ask those questions. And then, mm-hmm. and then is it appropriate to ask those questions? Does it matter if somebody else, uh, that's what I said. What I'm saying, like, you're gonna still want to hit. So, what's the difference? <laughs> that's, what that's what I'm saying. So, right. Um, if you are in a relationship, is it wrong to not tell your partner when you are masturbating? So, I got questions about that, right? Um, mm-hmm. I think that a lot of times people believe that if you're in a committed relationship with someone, then you shouldn't masturbate. They think that, oh, you should go to your partner to get all of your needs met. I don't agree with that. I think that solo sex should remain a healthy part of your sexual experiences, even if you are in a committed relationship. Um, I think that um people may uh like if it's obsessive or like uh you know going into your um uh or infiltrating your partnered sex experiences like that could be something like for example um there are certain masturbatory practices that you may do and it trains your brain to uh orgasm only that specific mm-hmm. Like, it's not that your clitoris is desensitized by a vibrator. It's just that your body is used to having an orgasm that way. So when your partner is using a finger or a tongue, it may be a little harder to to come, right? Um, mm-hmm. Or the same thing with people with penises. They're used to a very tight grip from their right hand, from their dominant hand. And so... Paulina. Right. You know what I'm saying? And so <laughs> when uh, their partner is giving oral sex or their hand grip may not be as tight, they may not be able to um, orgasm. It's not that they've become desensitized. It's just they've kind of trained themselves to, to orgasm from a certain set of stimuli. So um, the original question, do you have to tell your partner every time you're uh, masturbating? I don't think so. I think that that, you know, I, I think it's appropriate to talk with your partner about your masturbation practices, you know, um, but it doesn't have to be detail. Just that, yeah, right. you know, I do it. I knock one out. Some, sometimes you just want to knock one out and go to sleep you know right but then other times you want to have that shared experience but if it becomes a thing where you're preferring solo sex to partnered sex then i'm wondering like you know what's what's happening here right that's when i'm asking the questions um 
but yeah, I don't think it is necessary to tell your partner every time, you know, you masturbate. I don't think that it should be something that you're hiding. I think it mm-hmm. should be something that you feel comfortable talking about because if you're sharing other parts of your life, other parts of your sex life with your partner, then you should be able to share this with them as well. But is it weird for me to think that I think if you, like, I don't want to masturbate with my partner. Like, we might as well just have sex. Oh, it just depends. Like, sometimes mutual masturbation could be that it can be lit, you know? Um, like, okay, doctor. <laughs> you know, whether you're putting on a show for your partner, um, mm-hmm. whether it's, uh, you know, their you're you're manually stimulating them and they're manually stimulating you or or whatever like there are different you know different scenarios where it can be a really hot situation and then other times it might just be like I said you just want to knock one out and go to sleep mm-hmm. now I feel like we answered this question last time but I feel like everybody just kept a lot of um ladies and like some men was asking me this question on how mm-hmm. can couples make intimacy a priority that that's it like yeah that's what I said. Like, yeah you answered the question in your question making it a priority a lot of times um and I'm thinking about specifically when um folks when their roles change in some way so for example Um, a couple that does not live together, they have to purposefully make time to see each other, right? Mm -hmm. But when you do live together, you kind of take it for granted that I'm going to see you. So you don't necessarily make time to be a couple. Same thing for folks who end up being parents. Uh, Their role as parent ends up taking precedent over their role as a couple and you just get lost in the shuffle. So you have to make a priority of that time with your partner, you know, whether it's actually scheduling time, um, you know, from this time to this time, it's going to be me and you, Uh, we're going to do something that doesn't involve a screen. Cause a lot of people sit up and watch TV together, but that's not necessarily, you know, really deepening your intimacy. Mm-hmm. But um, but really just like scheduling that time, being very purposeful with time to connect with your partner and doing a specific activity that doesn't involve a screen. It could be cooking a meal together, taking a walk, um, watching working a on a project, not yeah. watching a movie because no? that's a screen. That's the screen. Oh, yeah, true, true. Damn, I like watching movies. (laughs) I mean, but that's that's good. I think that that's good time, you know, but But like more be so more interactive. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Like, don't listen to me. I'm single. (laughs) (laughs) But no, like, like, I I think that it's cool because like I watch a lot of TV, like a lot of specific shows and movies with my Mm -hmm. boy but you know we have to be intentional about making time outside of that that is just us just hanging whether it's talking making a meal together you know whatever that is 
I'm just curious. Do your boyfriend ever feel like you're talking to him as a client? No, I um, really work hard to differentiate my hats. Mm. Where, mm-hmm. um, you know, being a therapist is hard work, and I don't like doing it for free. So, <laughs> right, so right. I'd say I take that therapist hat off. Um, I'm very mindful of not. Um, like trying to analyze folks or, or anything like that in social settings. Like people find out I'm a sex therapist. They're going to ask some questions like that's going to happen. Um, mm-hmm. However, uh, like I have a, well, <laughs> I joke and say that I have an invisible tattoo across my forehead that says therapist and social worker. So a lot of people just tell me all this stuff, mm-hmm. but um, even in those moments, I, I, I'm not a therapist. I'm just like a calming, non-judgmental presence. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I, like certain parts of who I am transfer well into my work as a therapist. But mm-hmm. that's my work. I'm not at work 24-7. I turn that right. off. No, I feel you. Um, so this is from one of my male listeners. What is some advice you would give to men that struggle with performance anxiety? Oh, that's a good one. So mm-hmm. um, there are a few things that I would suggest. One uh, is really taking orgasm off the table for you and for your partner. Um, I think because we have this idea that our partners are responsible for our, our orgasms, but I tell everybody, you are responsible for your own Listen, orgasm. Let these niggas know. I mean, straight up. Um, right. Because a lot of times, you know, people say, oh, he couldn't make me come. No, baby, you couldn't make you come. <laughs> like, that ain't got nothing to do with him. And then, like, a lot of times, like, people are looking to, um, you know, experience orgasm through intercourse specifically people with vulvas and it's like nah boo that 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 may not happen because a lot of people need direct stimulation of the glands of the clitoris to have an Mm. orgasm and most times that's not going to happen through just straight up penis and vagina intercourse so um so anyway back to the whole performance anxiety thing take an orgasm off the table a lot of times like when you're focusing on the end or the perceived end you don't even get an opportunity to enjoy like the pleasurable bits in the middle. Mm. You just focus on, I got to get this nut. But like, what about noticing how your body feels in the meantime? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and so I really work with folks to focus on the pleasure that they're experiencing, not chasing the orgasm. Like orgasms are great. You know, I I think they're wonderful. I enjoy them personally. However, <laughs> I think it's important to focus on the pleasure. So mm-hmm. some different ways in doing that can involve mindfulness. Mindfulness is something that um, has like reached a lot of popularity, but it's really about focusing on the right now. When you're focused on orgasm, you're in the future. You're in the mm-hmm. what happen you're not in the right now right now is 
there may be um you know stimulation of this body part and you know really noticing like does that feel good do I like that um or I really enjoy doing this specific sexual act like mm-hmm. really just focusing on the right now and not so much on and just enjoying it yes exactly that's mm-hmm. it that's it so yeah that that's definitely one thing to help with performance anxiety taking the idea of performance off the table and really um taking orgasm off the table and really focusing on pleasure Mm-hmm. And not even worrying about, um, not even really focusing on erection. Just mm-hmm. like let's let's enjoy what is right now, and how can we exchange pleasure in this moment? Well, do you recommend anything for men to help them maintain their erection? Because you know a lot of niggas out here be having whiskey dicks. <laughs> <laughs> no shade, no tea. I'm just saying. So there are there are a few different things. Like there are costumes that are available. Um, cock rings are good because they um, help with maintaining the blood flow in an erect penis. They can be used um, if you're having problems with erection. Now, first of all, I I'd go back and check with your uh, doctor to see if. Um, there are any blood flow issues because a lot of times uh, challenges with erections can be a marker of uh, possible heart issues because it's all related to blood Mm. flow, right? Mm -hmm. So you definitely want to make sure that you don't have any physical ailments, right? So if you're cleared for, you know, from your doctors that it's all good in the hood, um, then you can use some of these other things if you're not interested in taking the uh, PDE5 inhibitors, like the, the blue pills, right? If you're not interested in taking those, um, mm-hmm. you can use uh, cock rings. And like I said, you would, um, it can be used with a penis pump if you're having problem uh, getting an erection. Uh, the penis pump will help you get an erection and then um, you would use the cock ring at the base of the penis and that would then help you maintain the erection. Well, there y'all go. I don't know no good cock ring, so do your research. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, last but not least, so emotional abandonment will have you searching for parents and your partners. How can one yeah. try to avoid this? Therapy. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, Thanks. straight up, like a lot of us have a lot of different things that we have to work through. And unfortunately, mm-hmm. we don't always have the um, type of environment that give us permission and space to work through those issues. So if someone knows that they have abandonment challenges or they see within themselves that, you know what? I'm having some patterns of behavior that are mm-hmm. not healthy relationships. Like go ahead and talk to a therapist about that and help you work through those because they're, they're very real issues. Um, but mm-hmm. they're, they're very real issues that need to be addressed because if they're yeah. not oftentimes you'll end up repeating those same patterns in new relationships and you'll end up mm-hmm. with the same, uh, the same outcomes. So therapy, that's it. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's all. 
Well, that was the last question of a child. Somebody wanted me to ask you why is it important to pee after sex? I was like, girl, what are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. So peeing after sex is a good practice because during um whether it's intercourse or, or any other type of play with the genitals, uh, you are moving around bacteria, right? And mm. so in urinating, what you're doing is you're uh reducing the likelihood of getting a urinary tract infection. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, that's why it's good to pee after sex. You're, you're well, reducing. You yeah, yeah, yeah. Just pee after sex, child. I mean, you're supposed to pee anyway, so get that out your system. <laughs> yeah, get out. Well, I want to thank my guests for coming back. As always, it is such a pleasure speaking with you. Um, if y'all want to know who she is, if y'all want to support her, just make sure you email me at hello at the phdpodcast.com. I'm pretty sure me and my guests are going to be doing more things because I really like her energy and now she's an Aquarian slash Pisces. So (laughs) (laughs) right on. Um, thank you so much. And until next time, everyone later. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. That's right.